so good to see everybody. If you are brand new, my name is Drew. Would love to meet you after the gathering. At the back of the room, there is a digital uh, fill-out card if you want to use it at the back there. And uh, what we do is if you fill that out, it just helps keep you in the loop as far as some of the things that are happening here. And then as well, we make a donation, uh, just a small donation to mission services on your behalf just for uh, gathering with us. So we're just thrilled that you're here. And I think we're going to have some fun this morning together. I'll just say this. uh, I'm really excited to be a part of a community that um, really values family and being together. And I'll just say this, you know, one of the reasons why we do this once a quarter, having the kids in with us, is not just to give everybody a bit of a break with kids ministry. There is that fact. But one of the things we really hope is that as as a family, everybody would be invited to the table. And one of the things we don't want to do is we don't want to just silo everybody into their little expressions. We believe the church is a family. And I was even thinking as we were preparing, as I was preparing for this morning, my own kids, you know, even though you may not have children, some people choose maybe not to have children. There's uh, single people in our community, which are such a deep and important part of this community. If you don't have kids, I hope even a morning like this morning would just see the value that you bring to the entire family. I know for our family, it's actually people in this place that are a lot of them that are single or don't have children that have made some of the biggest impact in our, our child's lives. And so just remember the story that we're caught up in and the movement that we're caught up in and the role I think we get to play in each other's lives. And I know we all roll our eyes as though it's cliche, but it does take a village. And it takes all sorts of people from all sorts of walks and places that impact us. And I just know through our community meal and here on Sundays, it's a lot of people that don't have children that are some of the biggest impact in my children and I know others of us that have kids, our lives. So I just want to say thank you. I was even thinking about this morning and um, just the role that you guys play. And, you know, um, I think this morning as we talk through Ephesians, we're going to try and put some pictures and images and illustrations before us to help capture uh, the beauty of this letter because we have been in a series walking through the letter of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll just say there's a lot of kids in our community. Some of us are getting old though too. Anybody? Anybody with me? Apparently Russia has our photos now. I don't know I don't know how to come to grips with this. I am building in my mind and my heart a theology of aging, and I think the Bible speaks of aging beautifully as a beautiful thing, but boy, I hope that slows down a little. Still decently looking in old age? No, I don't know. I don't know. It's all good. Um, This is what Paul says. He says this, and we're actually, this is a verse that the adult community we looked at last week. Paul says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, the first three chapters in Ephesians, there are basically zero commands. We talked a little bit about this last week. Paul is just lavishing on the community of people that would pick this letter up, and he's continually telling them who they are in Christ. You're adopted, you're chosen, you're forgiven. uh, Paul would use this term brought into the community, which was a a term actually given to Caesar in the Roman Empire. Caesar was known as the one that would bring everybody in, but the way that he would do it is he would use the sword. If you didn't bow your knee, uh, typically that meant the end of your life. But now Jesus is this one that has adopted us and brought us into the family of God. 
And there's this really unique, this is like the hinge of the whole letter here at Ephesians 4.1, when Paul says, listen, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, this word worthy in the Greek language that it's written is the word axios. Can you say axios with me? You can go home at lunch and just dazzle everybody with your beautiful Greek skills. Maybe not. Um, but this is actually really important because this word worthy is the word axios here. And in the ancient world, actually in the first century, the picture you would get when you hear this word axios is you get a picture of a scale like this, like a teeter-totter style scale. Tim, can you come help me? This is what Paul... This is what Paul is trying to say. He's saying this. To live a life worthy of the calling that you've received doesn't mean that we're trying to earn God's favor or earn our way into to be adopted sons and daughter of God. The image a first century person would get is that of a scale. You know, in Ephesians 1, we learn all sorts of things about who we are. We are holy. Do you want to come throw this in? Is that all right? We're holy and blameless. Come with me for a second. Throw it in here. Put it on this side. Beautiful. So we're holy and blameless. What else does it say in Ephesians 1? That we're aware of the mystery of Christ. We're chosen to do good. We're people that are marked by the Spirit. And so one of the things we know from the first few... Do you want to throw these in here, bud? One of the things we know from the first few chapters of Ephesians... Throw it in here. Yeah. is that these chapters are all focused on God's call for our lives. But what's really interesting is when something is axios or worthy, in the ancient world, it meant that it was of equal weight or equal merit. So the way in which you would weigh something in the ancient world is you would weigh one object in comparison to another. What Ephesians 4.1 is doing for us is this. It's the whole linchpin on which the letter kind of turns itself because now we're actually going to get into what we're supposed to do. We start with God's call, but really what it means to be worthy or axios is that God's call, guys, gals want to come up for a second? God's call and now our walk, throw it in here. Beautiful. All right, we need a couple more. God's call, and who want, you want to come up, Max? Come here, buddy. You want to come? You can come too. Come up, Nate. This is the picture that Paul is trying to get us to see, is that, go for it. You want to come up, Max? Is that God's call, and our walk, we'll see if this works. I used this like, didn't I not use this Hillary just a few days ago and it worked beautifully. Try again. There we go. That working? Try and go there, yeah. Perfect. The picture, (laughs) with a little bit of the Holy Spirit's help, right? Um, The picture that Paul is trying to get us to see actually is that God's call, and here's the thing a lot of Christians miss, Our obedience and our walk work together. And when they work together, it's worthy. It's axios. This is actually what Paul is trying to get 
us to see as we pick this up. Now, how many people do we know that have God's call on their life, but they don't actually step out in obedience? What we're going to see and understand, I think, in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is there is a litany of things now that Paul is going to lead us in, in what we're supposed to do. We don't start there because we're not trying to earn God's favor or grace, but now the picture is live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. The reality of this is, okay, you're worthy, now live like it. You can, we can put this down. Eugene Peterson, he says it like this. You can just throw it to the side. Thanks, man. Eugene Peterson, the great poet and theologian, he says this. He says, when our walking and God's calling are in balance, we're whole. We're living maturely, living uh, responsibly to God's calling, living congruent with the way God calls us into being. Axios, worthy, mature, healthy, robust. When God's calling and our walking fit, we're growing up in Christ. This is what it means to be mature. God calls and we walk. And so you, maybe you know that God's call is on your life, but what we have in the scriptures is now this call to live obediently and actually practice the way of Jesus and do what he says. I think the teacher from last week, we had a guest teacher here uh, by video last week. It was amazing. And he put it best, and I think this illustration could uh, translate. So for me, it was, I gotta get the dates right. You've heard this before. July, June, sorry, June 30th, 2007, I stood up in front of friends and family and made a commitment to marry Heather. There she is trembling as she's coming down because she does not know what she's getting into. And we stood before friends and family and in a moment, in an, in, in an instant, I became a husband. Did I know anything of what it was like to be, be a husband in that moment? No, but the call is to actually live into now who I am. And I think this is the way Christ, the Christian life works. You're worthy. Now live worthy, live like it, axios, live, live worthy. Or June 30th, July 30th, sorry, 2008, this is Ava. I remember holding Ava for the first time in my hands uh, as she kind of entered the world. And in an, an instant, and I think here's another picture, I think I was like 14 at the time, maybe, maybe not. No, I promise I was more than 14. But as I held Ava for the very first time, this was a moment where in an instant, I actually had become a father. Did I know anything of what it was like to, to care for a child and to change diapers? Obviously, absolutely not. But was I a father in that moment? I was a father, and now I had to live a life worthy. And probably the biggest thing in the Christian life for all Christians, all of us that follow Jesus to understand is that God's call and our walk work together. If I, could, if I could sit down over anything, a coffee with somebody, and they were to ask, okay, what does it mean to follow Jesus? This is what I believe it means. God's call and our walk work together. If you're sitting and waiting for God just to zap you into utopia and into being mature as a follower of Jesus, I promise you, it's just not going to happen. God's call on our life, and then we step out, and now we have all of these instructions to imitate Christ. There's going to be things that we learn about leaders in the church and all sorts of stuff that we live out in our homes. Now we take these steps forward because God's call and our walk work together. And my fear is, is that a lot of people kind of get stunted because they're waiting for God to do something magical when in reality we're supposed to take these steps with him in partnership with him and walk together. Make sense? You following me? This, this, is, the Christian, this is the Christian life. Now, 
Paul then continues. So now he's giving us all sorts of different things and how we are called to live this out. So he says things like this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Or this. Verses three, and three to six. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. So these instructions to now live unified. Or what about this? Paul says, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ, our walk. And one of the things that Paul uses, the language that he uses, is he actually uses put off, put on language. Paul is continually saying to this community, okay, this is who you are, you're worthy, now live like it, and the way that you're gonna step into this is you're gonna actually put off your old life and put on your new life. Listen to what he says, this is the key verse, verse 22. Paul says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and then he says this, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I need another volunteer. Who's going to help me? Somebody want to help me? Want to come up? Do you want to help? No? Okay. Rowan, you want to come help me? Come, come here. This is... Come here, sweets. All right. This is actually the picture that Paul wants to give us. Can I put this on you? Oh, we're going to have two volunteers. All right, I like it. I like it. Can you put your arms through here? Paul is obviously talking to the Gentile community. Look, look at everybody here. This is the picture we get. It's like clothing. Actually, when you read it in the Greek, this is the image that people would get when they read it in the original language. We are called now because we're worthy to take all of the things of our old self, our old life. And, and Paul actually here, he lists all sorts of things. Lying, stealing, unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, anger, slander, malice, all the things that the people would read, especially Gentile people, the culture in which they live, they would receive this letter and Paul would say to them, like clothing, you're to take it off. Now, can you take that off for me? Can you take it off? This is the image. Beauty. Give it a, can you toss it for me? Just toss it right behind you. Just throw it. Yeah, and hit your sister. And you're to put on, ready? You're to put on your new life in Christ. You're to put on things like humility and gentleness. These are all things that Paul actually, he labels and actually speaks and writes down in this, in this chapter of this letter. Patience and love and unity and righteousness and holiness and kindness and compassion. Sound good? So we're to put off our old self and put on our new self. All right, you can go sit down. Thank you. That, that gave us help. gave us a really great picture of what we're, what we're to do. And so my question, if you're like an adult here in the room, if the call for us is to put off our old self and put on our new self, one of the questions I have is, is who actually does this? 
Like when we talk about formation, I don't think we realize what sometimes we're supposed to do. Don't sit around for eternity waiting for God to like actually physically move your steps. He's called you and he's called you to who you are, but now actually for us, we've actually got to put rhythms in our lives that would step into the rhythm of saying, I'm going to take off my old self and I'm going to put this new self on. My new life in Christ, it's actually going to clothe me and this is what it, what it looks like. You with me? This is actually, this is what it means now to follow Jesus. You're worthy now live like it. You're called into this beautiful life of following Jesus with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, um, I play, played a lot of basketball growing up as a kid, and I, as you know, if you've been around, I love sports a lot. And I'm noticing something, um, a bit of a trend right now, especially on Instagram. Instagram, if you get into the depths of the world of flipping through sports videos, you'll realize on Instagram that we are enamored right now, not only with basketball, a lot of people, but we're enamored with people looking foolish because they get crossed over. So here's an example. Here's a great example of a video that is like common all on Instagram. So you got a guy dribbling a ball and he's doing it and he's, and he makes somebody on his crossover, makes somebody look really silly. And everybody on the bench gets up and they go crazy and they think, oh my goodness, this is the funniest thing ever because somebody got, may look foolish and, and uh, this is kind of how it goes. You know what's interesting about these videos though, is I would say the majority of them are missing one thing. Anybody know what it is? The ball actually going in the, the basket. As I've been flipping through these, I realized that there are a ton of people like enamored with like, oh my goodness, somebody got crossed over, they look foolish, and the bench is like going crazy, and everybody's laughing. But I noticed that most of these videos don't actually follow through to the end, and the reason would be is because most of the time people are missing the, the shot. I can imagine the great Greg Popovich, for some of you guys that follow basketball, thinking the point of basketball is to get the ball in the... The point of basketball is to get the ball in the hoop. And we're in a moment right now where we're so enamored with somebody getting crossed over. And I think of the church in our current moment, and I think this could apply. Because I think there's a lot of things right now in the church world that we're enamored with, but ultimately the goal of basketball is to get the ball in the hole. And while we're enamored with sometimes the way the church looks and feels and all of these things, and none of that's wrong in, in, in essence, but actually the goal of the Christian life is to mature in Jesus, and this is why the church exists with me. The, ball, the goal is to get the ball in the hoop. And sometimes we go, oh my good, oh look, look, look at all these things that we're enamored by, but yet the reality is, is the call is for us to make disciples and to live a life in Jesus. This is an interesting trend because the goal of basketball is to get the ball in the hoop. And now for us, I think as the church, we're called to make disciples and to grow up in Christ. And so you can, be, you can sit in a church for years upon years, and that doesn't necessarily mean we mature. Part of the call for us is to put on. Paul uses this language again near the end of his letter. He says exactly, uses exactly the same words. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And what does the line say? It says, put on what? the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Four, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put, he says it again, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So not only is Paul telling us to take off our old self and put on our new self, but one of the big pictures we get is that there is a war, a spiritual war raging for us. I know we love to see everything under a microscope in our scientific world, and there's part beauty in that, but we're actually to clothe ourselves in this war that is raging. And so Paul uses a number of things, a number of images that were to, to clothe ourselves. Come here, Kev. So first of all, Paul said, and there's, I think, actual words and images that are attached to these different parts of the armor, the armor of God. So there's the belt of truth. Throw those on, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are brave, because there may be a little stench that comes from those. I apologize. So the belt of truth gives us this picture. <laughs> Is it going to work? We're good. Have we ever been this close? I think we have. Ready? There you go. That, that's good. All right. The belt of truth, which is a picture of integrity. That as we close, if you don't know, in like ancient war, the belt held your sword and it basically held all of your armor together. One of the pictures we get of this word is for us that now walk in the spirit, that clothe ourselves with the armor of God is that we, we put integrity on as though it covers our lives. Then he says this. Paul uses this image of the breastplate of righteousness. You, you dog. You're set, man. Love it. The breastplate of righteousness is this picture of, of right living. So God's call is on our lives, but then we actually walk in correspondence to obedience to the scripture in right living. And then he says this, the helmet, I know you did your, I didn't know you did your, oh yeah, your hair nice this morning. It's all good. You can let it, you can let it dangle. You're good. The helmet of salvation, which Paul here is trying to say to the church, now what we do is we actually put on the mind of Christ. So one of the ways in which we practice the way of Jesus together is we practice by putting on the mind of Christ. We look into the scriptures, we look into the life of God to see how Jesus thinks and acts and lives, and then we put, put that on, that our, our minds are renewed. If you know anything, obviously you know this, the helmet um, protected the head, which was obviously a huge vital point in one's, one's body. So you have the breastplate of righteousness covering all the major organs, and then the helmet of righteousness. Then he says the shield of faith, which is allegiance to Jesus. And Paul says the sword of the spirit. Anybody know what the sword of the spirit is? Here's your sword, brother. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have this, these great scriptures compiled for us, not just to, to read through to become smarter, but it's actually a way in which we put on armor. We use the word against these arrows of the enemy. And then Paul says you're also to put on the boots of peace. 
that you and I are called to clothe ourselves, to be ready for battle. Kev is ready to go. He's going to play in the NHL someday, probably. Probably not. (laughs) But this picture of taking off our old life and clothing ourselves and putting on, now, one of the questions we have to wrestle through is, are we ready for this great battle? Typically, those of us in North America are the ones that have kind of pushed to the side the idea of spiritual warfare, but anywhere you go throughout the rest of the world, especially the third world, you know that what we see in the present is not all that there is. And so certainly, God's call and our walk work together, but one of the things we need to be reminded is is that following Jesus is a battle, and Paul wants us, even thousands of years later, to be prepared for this battle. You guys know this. Sometimes your life, when you begin to follow Christ, is probably harder than what it was before because there's a battle raging. There's an adversary. And so one of the things, if you look back at this text, is Paul says, we clothe ourselves. Why do we clothe clothe ourselves? We clothe ourselves because with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So that when these arrows come towards you, you'll be able to resist and you'll be able to continue to walk in Jesus. Now, who wants to throw some flaming arrows? Anybody with me as we close? Let's do it. Every person, even adults. We're going to give you an opportunity on Family Sunday to absolutely try and obliterate Kev. You ready? Pass him down. Keep passing him. Keep passing him. Take two if you need to. Church like you've never experienced it. Here we go. Caleb, big throw. He doesn't have a face mask, so just go for the face. That's what I say. Go for the face. Ready, guys? We're going to count down from three in just a minute here. Kev is clothed with the armor. Keep passing him down. Keep passing him down. No shield of faith, buddy. Sorry. Don't throw him yet. We're going to count down. Ready? We're going to count down. Here we go. Oh, dropping them. We're going to count down from three, and we're going to see if, we're going to see if Kev can... Uh, Hold off the fiery darts of the enemy. You ready? Ready? We're going to count down from three. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> All right. Give, give Kev a hand. He's going to sit down. He's going to sit down. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. Sit up, sit up. So with that, we're going to come to the tables. Um, we're just going to change gear. We're going to, you know, when the band says, we're going to slow it down. We're going to slow it down here. Um, listen, I, I hope with these images that we'd see that part of the Christian life is walking in obedience and stepping into all that God has for us. And my prayer, brothers and sisters, is that we would put off our old self. And so as we come to the table, why don't you stand up? We're going to come to the table here. And these guys are going to lead us that we would begin to walk. God, help us, I pray. Help us to walk in you. I pray that as we come even down this aisle to take the bread and the cup this morning, that we would be reminded of your love for us, but also the calling. I pray for obedience on this community and on our lives. Pray for everything that's said and done this morning that you'd seal it. But God, I also thank you, God, for what you're doing. God, may we take seriously the partnership of our walk and your call. And I pray that that's what it would mean to be worthy, to be in balance. 
Maybe for some of us, we're trying and we're trying to do all these things and we do a lot of stuff, but we haven't rested in your call and we're out of balance. I pray that you'd help us. Then for others of us, we know you've called us, but I just pray for a great obedience. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. In Jesus' name.